What up, everybody? You're now tuned into the true definition of a sports fanatic. I'm your host, Brandon Lampley. And today, hey, got another special guest. Hey, I've known this guy, you know, for about a year or so, man. I'm so pleased he came on with me. Hey, introduce yourself to the people, man. Hey, how's everybody doing? My name is Jose Acevedo, and I'm the owner and president of Free Agent Boxing. Hey, man. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. I know, I remember when we first talked, and man, I was in the baby stages of getting this off the ground. Um, I was just had a few podcasts in, and um, I remember you told me who you were, but I knew I wasn't, I wasn't at the point where I was ready to do interviews or anything like that because I was just getting my feet wet, but I saved the number, and I always remember. So when the time came, I said, I'm ready, man. Let me hit up Jose, man. I know he, I know he got the connections. I know he know people. So, <laughs> hey, I want him and anybody he can get me, man. Have him come on, man. So, I mean, so um what 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 oh yeah for sure man so what so what really sparked you to um get into boxing the way you are because i know you say a love for boxing well yeah I, you know being puerto rican i would say is the first thing that you know you growing up in puerto rico you grew up with boxing baseball and basketball you know but in my household was boxing my dad loved boxing mm-hmm. and uh, i tried boxing but i couldn't box i i can't box but Basically, I had some impediments that I couldn't because it would hurt my, my, my health. And, um, but my younger brother, he decided to go that route. He was either that route of boxing or streets, jail, or probably end up dead. And he got the opportunity to, you know, um, make it all the way to the pre-Olympics. Sadly, he couldn't go to the Olympics because um, in Puerto Rico, um, it's, it's really hard to live in. And he got in, in a crime um, issue where he got shot a few times and, and his dream to go to the Olympics got shut down. But later on, he did become a professional boxer. I helped him go through the professional steps and he became a great professional boxer. Oh, man, that's, uh, man, that's awesome, man. Shoot, my, my, well, my love for, for um, I, football is what really got drove me into um, all sports, period. And uh, my little brother was, man, I, me playing football was, I had, it was a struggle. Uh, learning, didn't know much about it, you know, didn't know what nobody teaching me. So going out and trying to play, you know, man, if I knew what I know now, I probably would be a division, had gone division one in college football for sure. But I got a, I got a little brother, man. He picked up the game at like eight years old and he could do everything. Like wow. it, it just, I mean, all I had to do was show him once, teach him how to catch, form tackling, blocking. It didn't matter. He picked it up. Like, it was like a fish to water, man. And, of course, I was like, man, I was like, man, I can't wait. I want him to go, man, go college, go pro, go all of this. But, you know, remember, you can't want things more than somebody else want them for themselves. So, hey, at the high school, he said he was done. I had to accept it, you know. That, that's, that's basically more or less like what I went through uh, with my younger brother. When I started boxing, you know, they were little kids, and I was doing amateur boxing here and there. And to one day, you know, I'm, I'm hitting the mitts which is where, you know, when you're practicing with your coach and my coach hit me with the mitts and the ear and I started bleeding through my ear and I stopped, you know, I lost my balance and all that. And when I got mm-hmm. home, I told my grandma and my dad, Hey, this is what happened to me today. And that's the moment they told me you, you're not supposed to be getting hit in your ears because when you were a baby, you had a surgery in one of your ears and you lost part of your eardrum. So at that moment they told me, you know, I cannot buy, I cannot fight no more. And it hurt me because I was really good at it. But mm-hmm. what I did, I turned my boxing. I went and did Taekwondo, which, you know, I don't get hit in the face at all. 
Um, and then when my brother started getting in trouble in Puerto Rico with the law and stuff like that, I told him, Papa, you need to realize that you had a, those hands you're good at, we need to put mm -hmm. them shoes in the right way where you will not get in, pro in trouble. And I told him, if you do it, I will support you. I will pay for everything you need to, to be paid for. And he took that route. And, you know, he made it. And I think, you know, two or three times, Puerto Rico um, champion. And then he went professional. And then, you know, his second fight, he was fighting already in the States. By his third fight, he was fighting already in Vegas. So it was, it was a really um, nice path that we took. And mm -hmm. through him, other fighters started arriving and coming my way and asking me for advices and asking me to take them to, to the same levels that I took my brother. Okay. Yeah, um, I heard you speak. You said that, um, you know, being in Puerto Rico, it's boxing, street activity, jail, you know, or dead. And, you know, being here in the U.S. and us having so many avenues and options and things to go through, it's still pockets of the U.S. that um, they have that mentality. I mean, being here in Florida, I know that for certain. It's either they, they want to rap, they want to be an athlete, street activities, jail or dead. That's pretty much their scope of things. And then in other countries, man, that's, that's, that's what it is, you know? So um, having more avenues, especially for young men, I mean, I know one day um, I want to be able to, you know, have programs for those young men, especially those underprivileged to use, especially young men without fathers to be able to say, hey, you're more than an athlete, you're more than an entertainer, you're more than a street pharmacist, you know, all of those things, man. There's so many things that you can do you know, go out here and find your niche, you know, and, and when I, when football was no longer an option for me to play, I said that, I said in my mind, I remember I was 15 years old, I said that I can't play like I want to, I said, but I'm going to contribute to the game in some type of way, you know, I coached high school football for three years, um, which was a great experience, you know, they don't pay no money, so, you know, I, I said, I, I got, I'm gonna come back to it, I said, I gotta go make this money, and I'm gonna come back, but I loved it, man, I loved every minute of it, I still got long-lasting friendships to this day because of just those three years, and great young men I came in contact with, you know, but, um, like, uh, I know, I mean, I know, I can just imagine how rough it was, you know, growing up in Puerto Rico, you either, you either make it big, or you're pretty much stuck. You know, and, and the sad part is, you know, I, I don't want to diminish or, or or take away, but the big difference that I saw growing up in Puerto Rico and when going to school in Puerto Rico was that it's not like the schools here. Schools here has a great program for sports. In Puerto Rico, the public school system don't have that great program for sports. Like mm -hmm. if you go to any public school and middle school and high school, you have either basketball, football, wrestling, volleyball. You got yep. all alternative that you could, you know, put your time and effort on. But in Puerto Rico, you don't. In Puerto Rico, you only have the private leagues that you could participate on. And then you have the private schools that, yes, they do offer basketball, football. They offer all the, the alternative that you might have, but then you might not have the money to pay for going to private school. You know, and sadly but truly, it's not the same as here, that if you're a really good athlete, who could actually give you a scholarship? You know, yep. Rico, you have to be ridiculous superstar that since you like a baby they're already scouting you to get one of those scholarships and and you know it's sad because you go to the streets and for example basketball which is a sport that i took on and took me to college and everything um was you see more talent in the street that you will see in organized sports 
You know, you mm-hmm. will go to the basketball court and the projects, and these kids are playing amazing basketball. Yes. Like I remember when I started playing in the um, Rebel League and the Sprite League and the McDonald mm-hmm. League, I put together my team from people from the projects. Yeah. They were better than the people from, from organized basketball. Yeah. Better IQ in basketball, better uh, stamina, better abilities. You know, this yep. kid jumping over other kids without, you know, no need to run. And, and they're not getting the attention or direction, like you said, that they need because they're from the hood. That's the sad part. Yeah. Man, hey, people, backyard superstars are a real thing. We just don't talk about those people like, oh, man, this guy, he was great. No, 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 no. They're real people. I remember Sammy Watkins, the Chiefs wide receiver, talked about it uh, during his draft process when he was coming to the league. He said, he said, dude, I'm, you know, my athletic ability and my ability isn't special. He said, it's guys just like me, same height, same size, same speed, do exact, do just what I do or better. They just didn't have the opportunity that I had. But yeah, man, it's, it's, it, it, that, that thing goes deep, man. It, it goes deep. Definitely does. And, and it goes more than that too. When you come to think of it, um, you got those mom warriors, our mom and dad, but also, you know, the fact of not having that male role model or that financial stability to help you push you. Because mm-hmm. probably, you know, I, I know I have a good friend of mine that he was a great basketball player, about 6'10", you know, great basketball player. Didn't make it far enough because he, was, he came from a broken home. Only mom, no money to pay for those private leagues in Puerto Rico. Because if you want to shine for real, you got to play in the private leagues. It's yeah. not like you could just come up and, and hey, I'm, I'm going to play here because I'm so good. No, they don't care about you good or not. They care about that money. You know, yeah. and that's where boxing for me came. And the name of my company, Free Agent Boxing, is because for box, I see boxing as the, the only sport that realistically gives you an opportunity no matter who you are. You know, right. the great population in boxing, most of them has been arrested horrible background, probably didn't finish high school, um, don't have a, a great education, and they took it mm-hmm. on because they fought so good in the streets that somebody saw them and said, yo, go, go to the gym and practice in the gym, you know, and, and that's why, you know, I have the urge to start helping all these young guys, and I develop a program to help, you know, at-risk students, at-risk youth through boxing to mm-hmm. help them change their way of thinking and giving them that sense of, of, of responsibility, hard work, team, you know, sweat brings efforts, sweat brings pro, um, prices. And realistically, when you have that role model in front of you, male or female, uh, and a person that really cares for you, is in your corner sharing for you, give you that difference that you're looking for. Right, yeah, yeah, man. Um, I took one, probably one punch to the face, um, and that was about the extent of my, my boxing. Yeah, my uncle, he had, um, he used to, he was a uh, amateur boxer, you know, I knew he had a few, few trophies. So, you know, me and him never really talked about his extent in boxing growing up, but I seen trophies. So, you know, he, he, I know at least he was a good amateur boxer, you know, so he had the, um, he had the gloves, he had the, um, the bag, the heavy bag and all that stuff. So me and cousins playing around like, like, man, I think I could do this hitting the bag and miss the bag, boom, right in the face. And, that was it. That was the extent of it. I said, yeah, I'm going to go play football. I said, I'm done with this, man. I'm, I'm so done with this. Yeah, yeah but 
like Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson has a, a say that we're famous. They said everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Oh, man, yeah. My plan was, hey, I was going to be the next Ali. And then, boom, all right, go play football. It, I mean, it just it happened just like that. It's the same with basketball players and football. Me coaching, I could tell the kids who are – they're pure athletes, but when they come to the football field, um, when we do bull in the ring, you got to hit, and they shy away from contact. I say, son, go, go to the court and go play basketball. Uh, football is not for you. Yeah, for sure. But it, um, I know a few years ago, I would say probably about – say about a decade ago, it was a lot of talk about boxing being a dying sport. And I think one of the reasons why is because, and it's the same reason today, is like as far as young men wanting to get into boxing, um, you gotta, it seems like you got to know some people or know some stuff. Like it's not readily available. Like you can't see them at a, at a, at a park. Like you can't see kids playing football or kids playing soccer or go to a gym and see kids playing basketball and see teams organized and getting ready or post things about it or things like that. It's something that you kind of got to just like get into. And um, I think that's one of the reasons why, especially the inner city youth uh, baseball had an issue with it. And baseball had an issue with baseball kind of um, losing uh, relevance. And they did a, um, a program for inner city youth. And so they can get the inner city kids because, you know, they want the black kids. They want those black kids, those black and brown kids, the black Puerto Rican, Dominican. They wanted them to play baseball. So you got to go to the inner city and you got to basically sell these kids on why they should be interested in your sport. Because in the U.S., it's so many sports that you can get into. A kid is not going to say, hey, I want to go get hit with some mitts. Well, no, and, and not only that, but also you had the problem uh, that a lot of if, – if you have a kid – that is by, you know, living with mom. Mom don't want that mm. nose to lose that bone right here by getting mm. hit in the face. You know, mom doesn't want what is called punch drunk syndrome. That is what, what gets a lot of boxers when they get hit in the face a lot, where they start talking slurp, where they losing. It's really similar to Parkinson. Yeah. And, and moms don't want that, you know. Right. Um, moms want their kid to, to, to grow old and, and have a good memory, a good, you know, way of yeah. talking but when it comes to poor to be realistic it, 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 boxing is a way of, of, of getting you out of the hood to be honest you know yeah boxing um if you come to think about it boxing is the highest paid sport ever yep you know yes yes it is right now you can go and google highest paid athlete it's gonna be floyd mayweather mm-hmm. you know Gets in the ring, gets paid two hundred million dollars for only forty-five minutes of fighting. You know, yes, he trains for about six um, or eight weeks, or sometimes more. You know, sometimes he's three months training for a fight, four months training for a fight. But realistically, if you're good at it, you'll be great. Like this Saturday, we have a great fight coming up, Lomachenko, which is considered to be the best fighter ever against Teofimo Lopez, which is considered to be the best. Um, upcoming Hispanic fighter, both of them undefeated, both of them under the same banner company that managed them. And so um, Lomachenko, when, when he was he came out of the Olympics, he said he would sign with a company that guaranteed him his first fight as a professional would be a title fight. Oh, man. And nobody said, nobody could give him that because there's some rules to fight for a world title fight. But yep. up rank said, all right, here we got this opportunity. Uh, we're going to give you a 
international title. So you're going to come in, you're going to fight for an international title. You're going to fight against this fighter. Mm -hmm. And he lost. You know, this superstar just lost his first fight because he's fighting against a person that is more knowledgeable than him. Not because the guy beat him, because he was more knowledgeable than him. He had more malice. He knew the, 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 the ropes around it. You know, mm -hmm. yes, boxing came to a point where he was dying, but it was also because he was missing those superstars. Yes. So Mayweather didn't want to fight for pennies. Um, the Puerto Ricans uh, superstar had faced out. And realistically, mm -hmm. which is, is wrong because it's been proven in, in, in UK, London, Philly, New York, Chicago, but a lot of other states don't want to push the government don't want to push a boxing program because it's fighting. And they believe that if you instigate them to fight, they're going to fight in the streets too. But realistically, boxing teaches you that once you become a boxer, you are considered a weapon. Yes. And boxing also teaches you self-control. Boxing also, also teaches you how to dominate your anger in a right way. That's why you're going to see boxers running, boxer hitting mm -hmm. the bag, boxer hitting the speed bag, boxer shadow boxing, because they have to kind of, you know, neutralize whatever angle they're feeling through that way, you know, and, and it's up to the trainer to teach them the proper ways to do so. Uh, I believe like I, when I moved to Jacksonville last year or the year before, I was looking for different places where, where we could do boxing shows, you know, that's, that's mm -hmm. I love boxing. I think boxing shows are great. Uh, I have been involved in amazing boxing shows. So I went around and only found like about four, three to four boxing gyms. And I spoke with the people and, and that's what they told me. Here in Jacksonville, boxing won't do nothing, man. I'm surprised you found that many. I, I am because I hear I'm in the sports circles and I rarely hear anything about boxing gyms. People who are kind of like train you or whatever, where you can work out, you can get better, you can learn it just as an average everyday person. It's a couple of those programs, but training guys to be professional fighters, I haven't heard about many here in Jacksonville. And well, I think that's that's part of it. Here in Jacksonville, you got a fighter. Let me let me look at my really quick. Um, his name is um, they call him the jugger, not hot, now jugger, juggernaut. Um, he's a boxer. He's uh, Lorenzo, Lorenzo Hunt. He's here mm -hmm. in, in Jacksonville, actually. Um, it would be great for you to have him in your show. Um, this guy, he's, he's, he's a boxer. He didn't do well in boxing, so he went to what is called bare knocking boxing. So basically, they're fighting where the knuckles are posed, and and he became the, the the champion, the world champion, not too long ago. And he's a local fighter here in Jacksonville. And I spoke with him and, and he brought the same problem. He told me, listen, the problem here is that we don't have support. You know, yeah. there's a lot of people that want to box. There's a lot of kids that want to box, but there's no support of the program. There's nobody saying, I'm willing to push you guys to the next level. Because it's like you did NFL uh, football. If you train for football a whole season and you're still on the bench next year, you want to come and play? Right. Right. You, I know. I, I'm, I'm losing interest, um, especially if I'm not getting paid. I'm losing interest um, year by year by year, for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Um, you know, it's funny because 
Uh, like I told you, like boxing is, you know, it's, it's, it's not high on my list of sports that I watch, you know, basketball and football dominates my TV screen. But probably a few years ago, I just kept being on social media, I kept seeing little memes and little videos of this guy talking smack. He's like 6'8", calling himself the bronze bomber. And I'm like, yo, who is this guy? I was like, oh, I ain't really in the box right now. Roy Jones Jr. is going, you know, he, that was my guy. I watched, anytime Floyd fought, I watched Floyd. I'll say, but I don't know this guy, man, whatever. And I just kept seeing stuff. And I said, okay, I got to go see him. And I think he was 20 fights in when I started to really pay attention. And I watched him. I was like, man. And then after he fought Fury. And then I was like, man, Fury's good. And then talk smack with Joshua. And I was like, oh, man, okay, so I, we got some guys now. I mean, lacking superstar power was boxing's issue. And I think they're starting to get back to that um, at least a little bit. You got a few here and there, but you need more stars. Definitely. Yeah, you, you, the bronze bomber, the Tona, um, Deontay Wilder, yeah. uh, he, he actually brought the heavyweight title back to America, you know, because mm-hmm. he has left America and never came back. I don't know since when. And, and, yes, he had two wars or three wars with um, the Gypsy King. And yeah. he, he, he was a draw, one of them. And then they mm-hmm. fought again, and um, the King beat him. You know, the king, yes. You know, beat him badly. But, you know, the bronze, the bomber, is, is, is a great character. And the bomber, if you, if you look into him, he used to play football for, I think it's Alabama State or something like that. Alabama, yes, man. He was dude, a great football dude. player. And, and yeah, he was a great football player. He had great, great future in football, but his hands are nasty. Yes, you know, they are. I had a few times uh, opportunity to see him fight when he was coming up, when he was starting. Because actually the, the company that was, um, he fought the most of the time, I got, I got an opportunity to work with him. Uh, and man, you know, it was... First round knockouts, first round knockouts, first round knockouts, first round knockouts. Mm-hmm. And he, yep. he had power. He had power. You know, and look, look, you mentioned Joshua, Anthony Joshua. Um, somebody that I thought he was he's great. You know, I when I saw him fighting in amateurs, I told everybody that kid is gonna be a beast. Um, yeah. but the same as every sport, you know, you could be good at be at that sport. But are you good at dealing with fame, with money, with the TV, with the cameras? That means yes. a, a personality for the world. I don't think Joshua had that on him. And when he came to America for the first time to fight, um, he lost. He got knocked out, you know, and, and lost mm-hmm. his title to a guy that everybody was making fun because he was fat, out of shape. He took a fight. Yes, I, can't, I, could re- I can't remember his name. I was just thinking about it. And I couldn't remember his name, but I remember when he lost, they would say, hey, the Chubby Superstars are back. So they had him up. They had Nikola Jokic from the Denver Nuggets. They had, of course, Zion Williamson up there because he was a little chubby at the time. Uh, they was like, yo, the Chubby Superstar is back in full effect. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. But the guy who beat him, you know, it was Andy Ruiz. Uh, okay, yeah. Andy Ruiz, yes. But Andy Ruiz, anybody that is into sport knew he was not a stepping stone. He was like yeah. a, a, a guy that, you know, he had a few opportunities to the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the same thing happened with him. Then he fought against Anthony Joshua, and he let that fame, that money get to him. They didn't prepare like he prepared the first time and lost the title. To and Joshua. lost. You know, uh, different. Yeah, he lost for an uh, unanimous decision. He didn't got knocked out. But, you know, that's the problem with boxing. 
And and like I told everybody, boxing is 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 called a gentleman's sport, you know, because they beat each other in the middle of the ring. At the end, they hug each other, give a kiss, and let's move on. But the difference from boxing and any other sport that there's no season. So like in basketball, football, season is over, you reset your zero zero. Boxing, you carry that L with you until you retire. Yeah. You know, Anthony Joshua is gonna carry that L that he had with Andy Ruiz until he retired. Wilder yeah. is gonna carry that L with him until he retired from the JC King. You know, yeah. and realistically. In boxing, you could talk to any boxer. They're going to tell you those L are worse than stepping on a Lego mm -hmm. It's horrible. It's horrible. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it's horrible, man. Um, yo, Fury, um, Fury and Wilder Part 2 is the first, I think, the first uh, boxing match that I broke down because I, I watched it. I remember I, I couldn't watch it that night, but, you know, somebody on YouTube put the whole fight up before, you know, YouTube could take it down because of regulations. So I got to watch it and I, you know, I broke it down and I did on, I got a podcast on it. Can't remember what episode it was, but I broke it down and, you know, I really started, had just, you know, really started to understand boxing. And one of the things that I noticed, I think was very crucial in the fight. And I've heard, you know, I didn't watch, don't watch many boxing shows, but just from ESPN and Fox Sports 1, who casually talk about it, those guys, none of them really brought it up. Um, a few did, but the weight differential between the two and how Fury, um, he jumped from the 250s and went into the 270s. Because I remember reports before the fight, they were saying that Fury was, uh, they feared that he was out of shape because he had put on all this weight. And I was like, I was like, man, he got a fight coming up. Why is he, why is he ballooned? Because some people reports was he was 280. And so, of course, I guess Wilder's camp, hearing that he was coming in bigger, he came in bigger as well. So he normally fought like around like, what, 212 or something. He got up into the 220s. And the weight for Fury helped him tremendously. It did. I mean, he looked, he was so in shape at 273, he looked like a dancing bear in the ring. Like, and he kept leaning on Wilder every chance he got. Wilder, when he put that weight on, yeah, when Wilder put that weight on, it was on him like an anchor. He couldn't move with that weight, man. That was the difference of the fight. And, of course, Fury is a technical boxer, for sure. And, and, and not only that, but he used to his advantage the, the, the weight he had because what he would did is hug him, put his weight him. on him, yep. push him. And, and this guy is a guy that, you know, he, he, he's great, you know, what he does. That's why he called himself the king, the gypsy king. You know, he knew what to do. He knew how to, you know, and, and also Wilder never fought nobody. You left? Okay. Froze on me, Brandon? Okay. Okay, I got you. I'm back. I don't know what was going on. And that connection was unstable. Okay, I got it. All right. So basically, yeah, I was saying that, you know, Tyson Fury, he used all his weight to make that that sure that, that uh, Wilder's feet, legs were weak. Jelly. Because that was yeah. the trick. Everybody says the problem with Wilder is that he don't work his legs, you know. Oh, man. His, my arms are bigger than his legs. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he's, all, he's all upper body, man. I mean, upper body is Greek godlike. But those legs, man, those legs, when, once I seen, he, I think it was the third round, and his leg kind of shook. And I said, oh, he's, he's done. Legs are gone. Legs yeah. are gone, man.
and those knees on buckle, it's really hard to buckle them back, bro. Yeah. Oh. Um, I know you have you seen that um uh Jamie Foxx's uh filming uh the movie for Mike Tyson's life. I see I have seen some part, yes, I have seen some part. So okay, Jamie had um he's been on a few shows, he's talked about his preparation and getting big, you know, like Mike and the daily things he do. So he showed he showed a few pictures um towards the middle and end of his training and how big he had gotten. I mean, he's like swole up, man. He's huge. He said the only thing is is that he said he ain't got no calves. He said, so they're going to they're have to put some calves on it because, you know, Mike had the calves. He said, yeah. so they're going to have to put some calves on it because he doesn't have calves. But, man, I'm very excited to see um, this movie coming up with Mike Tyson because Mike Tyson is – he's a very interesting person beyond boxing. Very interesting. Yeah, you know? I, I, I had the blessing to, to meet Mike and work with Mike and his team a few times when he did his comeback on, as, as a promoter. And, and you get to sit down and talk with him. And I had this, you know, imagination in my head of Mike Tyson, the guy that said that he would eat your babies. And mm-hmm. Mike Tyson, the guy that went and bite Holyfield's ear. Um, when you talk to him, that's not him, man. That's not him. Mm-hmm. And he tells you how he was, you know, super rich and then end up with nothing. You know, literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we go back to what we were talking about earlier, not knowing – not having the right role model, um, the entourage, yep. not knowing how to deal with the with the fame, um, and 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 if you something that I see in boxing, and, and and I started working with, um, I have a good friend of mine that he's the the lead psychologist doctor for the uh, Major League Baseball, and mm-hmm. and his job is to get ready all these Major League Baseball players with mental health. Um, how to deal and cope with different situations, how to deal yeah. with pain, how to deal with financial situation, how to deal with girls and all that. So when I was talking with him and putting together a program where we could offer that for boxers, because boxers realistically, you know, football mm-hmm. has the, the um, players foundation or something like that, that if you play for certain years, you know, you, there's a retirement plan for, 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 for footballs. Um, baseball had have one. Basketball has one. Boxing doesn't. Right. You know, boxing does not have nothing that will take care of all these champions or, or, or boxers that have put their life on the line yep. for the entertainment of. And, and, and not only that, but it's, it, a lot of people go like, oh, but, you know, they became so rich. Yeah, but you don't know all the problems that they've been having, you know. Um, let's go and use Muhammad Ali, great fighter, but realistically he ended up with Parkinson and punch drunk syndrome. Um, many other fighters that had taken their own life because, yes, you know, it, it's like, um, what's that disease that the that, that, uh, NFL players get when getting hit too much on the head? Oh, CTE. Uh, CTE. CTE for boxing is the same. It's the same. You know, we get, you know, boxers get CTE. And, and they get that same energy, that same a- a- aggressiveness. And my move mm-hmm. is one day, you know, and I hope sooner than later, I could put something together where there's a nonprofit organization that we could present. You know, we have worked already with different nonprofit organization and we were able to, to push something like this on California. And what they're doing now is 
for every ticket sale, there's a charge, a sur surcharge on the ticket sale mm -hmm. that goes towards a foundation for boxers. You know, you don't need yeah. to be a world champion, just a boxer that fought more than X amount of rounds for X amount of years. When you retire, you have that fund there. You had that, you know, retirement plan for you. Yeah. Because basically, boxers need it, man. They need it. You know, and I learned that with Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, um, he ended up with nothing, man. When he told me that he didn't have nothing at all, nothing. He said, um, I was living where I was living in the lifestyle that I was living because people around me loved me and they were paying for my living expenses. I yep. was like, what? You know, the biggest fighter in the world after Muhammad Ali. Yes. Hit me like that. And it's shocking. Yeah. Oh, man, Mike was in another stratosphere as far as name. You know, I, I tell my, um, I remember I talked to my little sister. I said, when you talk about fame, we talk about really, really famous. Um, you think of Michael Jordan, uh, Gandhi, uh, you know, um, and Muhammad Ali. We talk about these are people who are known under rocks in third world countries. Like these are guys who are really, really known. And I say, you really think about it from just about any sport you could think of. They get this money when they are really children. If you really think about it, they, they really are kids because most people look at them and, you know, you see a, you know, probably a well-spoken young man, um, of, you know, uh, um, seeming like he's way more mature uh, because he matured probably faster than his peers did. And it seemed like he has it all together. I said, but you still have to remember 21, 22, 18, 19. These are kids who are getting money and they have everybody grabbing at them. I'm talking about from, because fam family can be some of the worst, as family we know. The first, one, bro. the first one is family. Worse, worse. Man, I look, because um, I, I listen to a lot of football players talk about their families. I remember Philip Buchanan, uh, he was cornerback, played for Miami, uh, played for the Redskins, Tampa Bay Raiders. He wrote a book, and he talked about it. He said his mom sent him a million-dollar bill, and say, she said it was for raising him. Mind you now, bought his mom, house, cars, gave him money before, but he had kind of cut her off because she got a little greedy, sent him a million-dollar bill, say, this was for raising you. Tyron Smith, the tackle from the Cowboys, has restraining orders on, um, uh, I think, his, uh, his, his mom and a couple sisters because just, just from the way they were acting, you know, and trying to grab at him. And dude, the, the, with no direction, if fam family should be your foundation, and when that crumbles, man, you're looking, you're really out there searching for people that, I mean, it's hit and miss. You're taking a gamble because these people have no vested interest in you, you know? So, yeah. In, in boxing, there's something that, um, thanks to Muhammad Ali, they created what is called a Muhammad Ali Act. That is, mm -hmm. it, it's a way of protecting the fighter to know how much money. Because in boxing, you know, you have a promoter. is the one putting the show together. You have your manager. That is the one that manages your career. You have your trainer or your corner. It could be up to three people most of the time. And then you have you. So the way it works is your, mat, your, your promoter, if you're fighting for him, he's the one paying you. You know, if you're not fighting for him, you're fighting for another promoter, he comes away and takes 20% of the top. So your manager, you, you do a deal with your manager depending on what you want. It could be from 5%, 10%, up to 33% of your, of your pay. Then your trainer gets 10%. And then you pay your other cornermans however you feel fit. But you have this, this whole 
you know, triggering down charges and comes down. And then the fighter ends up most of the time with only like about 40 um, to 50% of the purse of mm -hmm. purse what they get paid. And they blow it up because, you know, most of the time you say they poor. And, and, and something different from, you know, Mike Tyson's time is social media now. Social media, you have to front to the world who you are and what you have. But started happening that all these fighters were getting embedded. They were floating the money. The families are talking to them, getting them crazy. So now promoters started mm -hmm. coming up with ways that they put in the contract that if something happens to you, they could put either a life, a health, they could put a type of insurance against you because you're an asset for them. Mm -hmm. So if you cannot perform, they have this insurance that they still going to make money. You know, so realistically, uh, in boxing, there, there's a big taboo, uh, 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 unspoken rule that promoters don't like family duet, fighter with father trainer or brothers or stuff like that because they're most of the time end up happening problems. You know, if a fighter fights where his brother or his dad might affect his performance when it comes to the, to the fight thing. So, um, mm -hmm. If you go to any, they go like, oh, this, this, this duo right here, this, you know, partnership between fighter and, and trainer is really bad when it's a father and son situation because mm -hmm. the, the interest is different, you know. And I see it happening, you know, me that I got to train, uh, manage my brother. Um, a lot of people saw it that in, in favor of the promoter, I will always be in favor of my brother, you know, because if I get to yep. get my brother more money, yes, realistically, I'm getting more money too because I get a cut, but I will look for the best interest of my brother. So a promoter cannot come and tell me, listen, I have this fight. They're offering us $30,000. Get five. I get five. Tell your brother's only 20, you know, because it's, it's harder. But family, I have seen people, you don't have no idea in boxing. Um, when there's a fight, a big fight, most of the time they give you fight, ticket flights, hotels, meals, and all that for the fighter. And it has mm -hmm. fighters come and ask 20 tickets, flights, um, 20 rooms because they're entourage. And, mm -hmm. and they want the whole entourage to be with them because I got to take care of them because they feel obligated now that I got out from the hood to take care of them. But realistically, not every case. But some of the cases I have seen that they are like leeches. You know, they oh, just yeah. on them like a mosquito. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I remember um, it's a buddy of mine. Uh, he coaches uh, high school football. He was a college football player. He played for Clemson. And um, we were coaching um, at a um, local high school here. And um, he had tried to get a buddy of his on. And um, the buddy, he uh, came and he was coming to the practices or whatever and trying to get integrated and trying to get on with the staff. And one day we were at practice and my buddy, he wasn't there. And so I was leading the workouts and uh, one of the players got into it with uh, his friend. He was trying to get on the coaching. And so the guy, he just went off on the kid and back and forth. And it was, it's pretty ugly scene. And, you know, at that point I told, I told my friend, I said, dude, I understand um, who this guy is to you. Uh, it's your day one. You've known him for a long time. I said, but you can't bring everybody with you. You know, you can't, um, you got certain, certain 
Pookie and Ray Ray, Jamal and Tyrone. Hey, they, I'm sorry. Sorry, man. Everybody can't come with me, you know? And so um, a lot of those guys, they don't, they don't want to seem like, I want to say sellouts, but um, seem disloyal or anything like that, you know, because these guys were here. But um, regardless of what he's meant to you in your life at that point, you do outgrow people and your life is changing. And if they're not there to change with you for the better, then they have to go because you're on a different path. Um, I know you probably saw this show, and 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 it was a show that I really liked, which is Ballers. Um, yeah. And and Ballers show a lot of stuff that um me I I lifted I went through it in in, in boxing, mm-hmm. the entourage, the groups, um the money, the the splendid life, and all that. And and Ballers touch about that a lot. And I like the Ballers went more. Uh, ahead and touch also on health, mental health, and different situations. And and I honestly believe no matter what sport it is, I believe that mental health touch a big one. You know. Yes. And and it's something that that is a taboo. Nobody want to talk about it. You know. Nobody mm-hmm. want because I, I believe they they think they seem weak or something. Uh, but you know, nobody want to say. I'm I'm frustrated because you know my family's going through this or 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 like what you just said right now. Hey, I need Pookie and Boo Boo and Jilly and and Taekwon on my corner, you know, because that's my crew. You know, we ride or die. But there is moments that there's moment. If they really ride or die, they will be mm-hmm. really happy for you and the stand and the stands while you performing what you gotta do perform at your best. You know, right. and and that's something that that. It's, it's, it's the fact that, that sometimes you come and think that's their family. Yeah. And they don't learn how to dissociate. You know, it's like a job. You don't take your family to your office. So sport, when you're playing any sport, that's your job. Yes. That's your J-O-B. That's why you want to make it. If you're trying to make it to go to pros, you got to treat it like a professional sport. And mm-hmm. the only way you're going to do it is doing that, you know. I one of my fighters, we had the opportunity to be on on Mayweather's camp, and everybody see how Mayweather is. Mayweather is the flashiest athlete in the world. I don't, I don't think there's another athlete more flashier than Mayweather. I don't mm-hmm. think there's another athlete out there that like to spend as much money as Mayweather. But you know what? I learned with Mayweather, he's not dumb. He's smart. No. You know that guy will never be broke. You know that nope. guy. Not only money-wise, life, and everything. He's super smart. You know, the way he trains, I never have seen a fighter train the way he trains. He trains three times a day. You know, he does his training in the morning, night, and late, late night. You know, and and like he said, you know, if I bet a million dollars, it's because I know I'm going to make X amount of money. But if I lose that million dollars, honestly – it will not affect nothing that I have right now. You know, you go mm-hmm. to it, he has a huge entourage. He, he, he has, I don't know, about 10 or more people living in his same house, uh, but it's a huge house. But he had like 25 women living with him also. Um, <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah. it's the fact of, of knowing how to handle your entourage. When it's time to train, he kicks everybody out from the gym. Yeah. He doesn't want no phones. No, no, no entourage, only his team. 
is inside the ring, the gym with him, you know. And that's something people don't don't understand. People gotta understand that that's the way to do it. You know, yes, there's moment and there's moments. You know, if if you really care for me and you really want to see me succeed, you gotta respect my my trade. And my trade at that moment is is being an athlete for whatever sport I am. So you gotta yeah. respect it like you respect if I go to job to my work. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, family and business. It rarely you'll be able to ever mix it, man. You have to keep the two separate because it's two totally different relationships. Because if you get to business with family, you know, it can become an issue and integrate too much family in the business. That's bad things happen, man. From no matter what the sport is, um, anytime it seems like family is involved, and like you said, like promoters don't really want to work with those who got brothers and fathers and things like that. It's the same in football and basketball, man, where um, the, the athlete have their manager or advisors would be uncle so-and-so or their brother this or, you know, a cousin this. And it becomes a problem. It becomes an issue. You know, you hear um, teams and stuff kind of – you hear murmurs about issues teams will have, not with the athlete, but with the relative of the athlete, man, you hear it all the time. Yeah. And so these, a lot of these guys, man, and it's, it's hard. And I know it's hard for them to drop whoever that person is. It's hard. I know that that's got to be one of the hardest things to do because this is family. This is somebody who's known you. This is somebody who's supposed to have your best interest. They probably make you feel the most comfortable you feel because you're in foreign territory. Once you become a star, you yeah. know, and so I, I and I, and I understand. That's why mental health is very important, like you said, for sure. Mental health is very important because you could um, Brandon Marshall, former wide receiver, play for the Jets, play for the Broncos, play for the Dolphins. He talked about. He said, "I have millions of dollars, a couple cars, a few houses." He said, "I am unhappy." He said, "I was not happy with myself." He said, "I couldn't understand it, couldn't explain it." And um, he said, "He you know sought help. He found out that he had uh, BPD." a borderline personality disorder, you know, and now the NFL, uh, because of him, um, he's one of the spearheads behind them instituting mental awareness uh, month where um, I think uh, the color is green. And so no, and you know, like breast cancer, they'll wear pink. And so the green is about this color of shirt I have on. And so now they're starting to see CTE hit the league hard, you know, with a lot of uh, guys, you know, killing themselves, man. And so you can't ignore it anymore. It's staring you right in the face. It's like in boxing. In boxing, um, for many years, um, they had um, different different illegal punches and stuff like that, what is called rabbit mm -hmm. punch, what is where you get hit in the back. And, and a lot of people always raise concerns, and, you know, you have people, don't do that, don't do that. But then, you know, in the same year, you had fighters died from rabbit punches. You had mm -hmm. – uh, Kid that I had the opportunity to work with him and his family, and they great people were just pretty sure Cologne, and he had a fight and he got hit so many times by rabbit punches that after the fight um, he ended up in coma, you know, brain surgery and everything, and now he's 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 in a wheelchair, um, learning how to live again, and now they implemented the Richard Cologne Act, which mm -hmm. is you know protecting you know hit over the back and all those stuff. Yeah. Um, but it comes to the point that we don't need to wait for the worst to happen to start taking actions. You know, yeah. um, if, if we work on it, mental health, 
We work on, you know, better training, like something I love from the NFL, NCAA, and, and NBA, and, and Major League Baseball is that now they're pushing that you need to be a certified to become an agent. You yeah. know, if you're going to become a manager, you got to go and take the training and become a manager. Um, yep. I know in the NBA, um, LeBron's manager was trying to change it because he didn't have that, but he wouldn't take it. And, and now he opened the door for friends and family to, to do the, the whole course. But it's not, number one, uh, I love the fact that they want to have you a bond of $1 million. Um, number two, you got to go take some, cur- some courses. Um, number three, you got to show that you're not in debt, that you don't have bad credit. Um, because realistically, what will happen is you have all these people that have the opportunity to manage all this huge amount of money. And what you could do with the money of that athlete is big. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. your life. Um, so the fact that you have that in certain sport is great. I believe that it should be the, something across the board. Like to become a manager in boxing, you just got to go apply for a license, get the license, and you're walking out the door with a license. Um, and you're managing this fighter, which probably you don't know, have no idea of the business of management or how to negotiate a contract or, or how to get sponsorship or, or how to market the fighter. Um, but when you go ahead and you implement, like what I was telling you earlier with my, my vision is implementing where there's financial advisors, there's legal advisors, there's mental, mental health advisors. You create something bigger. You know, when I was talking to my friend, Dr. Alderondo, and he, he, he is, like I told you, the head of Mayor Lee Baseball psychologist, um, he was telling me the reason they implemented it um, was because, you know, fighters were, were, were being depressed and so on, so on. I'm oh, sorry, yes. players. Um, and he said that after that, he has seen improvement in, in, in the way the lead see the, 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 the players now. The way mm-hmm. the league treats the players now, you know, yeah. because now the, the, the players has, they've been, their minds are being open, you know, and, and I believe that, you know, when you implement all that for all these athletes, you will probably help them have a better career in their life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would, I would imagine so, man, because the, that rock star lifestyle, I mean, it's so glamorous. And it looks like it's the end all be all and it's everything, but true happiness doesn't come from any source outside of you. It comes from within. And so unless you can figure out those things that make you truly, truly happy, you're going to be forever miserable, you know? And that's why I like those who put their happiness in the hands of other people, just like any relationship, whether, you know, it's a friendship, um, you know, or, or a boyfriend, a girlfriend, 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 whatever, um, when you put your happiness in the hands of somebody else, they're going to fail you every time because we're human, you know, and, you know, finding out those things that make those guys truly happy because you, you got, you got athletes now who are really just, you know, they're, they're everyday guys. They just happen to be good at a sport and they just happen to be making a lot of money, but whether they had the money or not, or being on TV or not, they're cool. They're fine with it. It doesn't change them either way. You know, hey, I just love the sport. It happened to make me a lot of money. It is what it is, you know. But to, to think that, oh, man, you got millions of dollars. What do you have to be sad for? No, man, it goes much deeper than that. I, I got an opportunity to, in boxing, of course, I met a fighter that at one time in his career, he was the number one in the world. 
he was not the mm -hmm. world champion, but he was the number one contender in the world. His name is Edison Pantera Miranda. He's a Colombian guy. He has a great story. Um, another friend of mine did a documentary on him. He basically mm -hmm. was was an orphan living in in the streets, um, black as the night, and and that's why he got the name of Panther Pantera. Um, yeah. And he used to eat rabbits, stray rabbits, whatever he could find. And into finally, he found that he could live in the boxing gym. So this trainer took him under his wing, gave him a place to live, gave him food, gave him education. He learned to read and write by reading the Bible. So this guy was mm -hmm. really knowledgeable with the Bible. And you got a guy like that. They started fighting in the biggest scenarios, beating the best fighters and making millions and millions of dollars. So I, I, I met him while he was, you know, successful. And then one day I didn't see him for many, many years. And I found him again and, and broke, living again in a, in a boxing gym. And I talked to him. I said, yo, Eddie, Pantera, what happened? And he goes and tells me, well, no, you know, I remember when he was rich, we were in Vegas. And I'm talking to him and he's walking in the hotel before he went broke. He's walking up and down the hotel. It was about two or three in the morning. And I go, what's wrong with you? He said, well, here, I'm talking to God. And, and, and this is the only way I, I will feel happy. So that's great. You know, talking to God makes you happy. You know, and, and, and but what happened with everybody goes with you, you, you know, you have half of the, of the people in the room yep. because you're people. You go, yeah, but I'm, I'm not happy, bro. Money doesn't mm -hmm. make me happy. And literally, this guy, if you were and told him, bro, I love your shirt, he took out his shirt and gave it to you. Mm -hmm. how much money he had he would give you the shirt and walk away shirtless pants and everything and when he told me money my friends the females nobody makes me happy you know so i'm a big believer of god i was raised in the church so we started praying that day and i remember that many years later i see him again living in the gym and we sat down and we talked and it was sad to see like how everybody that was around him, nobody's now with him. The mm -hmm. sadness that he had when he had all his people and all this money, he didn't have it now. Now he was happy. I go, yo, he said, My, now I know when I'm going to wake up. Only the real people is around me. I don't have no stress of how I'm going to feed these people tomorrow. How I'm going to keep this persona up for all these people tomorrow. And, and money doesn't make me happy. I was like, wow. You know, coming from a guy that had yeah. everything, you know. Yeah. And, and ending up again the same way he started his life, basically. Yeah. Man, um, I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but one of my favorite uh, ESPN 30 for 30s is uh, Broke. And they talk about athletes going broke and um, the financial issues. And, man, it's, it's powerful, man. Any uh, young aspiring athlete or just any everyday person who's looking to strive and become something, regardless of what field you're going in, it's something that you should look at. I know uh, Bernie Kozar um, talked about how he filed for uh, bankruptcy. And he said filing for bankruptcy was one of the best days of his life, best things he could have ever done. Because when people hear bankruptcy, um, and you know, you just see bankruptcy. You don't look at chapter seven, chapter 11, or any different ones and what it actually means and how it affects because all don't do the same thing. A lot of people don't know that. 
He said, but as soon as somebody sees bankruptcy, he said, the phone stall, the phone calls stop coming immediately. You know, because they, people think, hey, I'm, he's out of money. So, yeah, he, he, he doesn't serve a purpose for me anymore. And he said, dude, his life was so much better after he filed for bankruptcy. And, and, and it comes with everything. We're winning, we're losing. I remember there's, there's a, a video that you can find out later on about Sergio Martinez. He's an Argentinian boxer that he fought. Um, I don't remember right now who he fought. Uh, and he, he beat this guy, destroyed this guy. I think he was uh, probably was a boxer that he's in a wheelchair now. I forgot his name right now. And he won. And he said, like, when I got back to my hotel, I have over a thousand missed calls. Over a thousand missed calls. Mm -hmm. Then I fought Miguel Cotto and I lost against Miguel Cotto. I only had one call. Mm. My mom to see how I was doing. Wow. And, and, and that shows you that it's true. You know, your 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 peers will be there when you're winning. But when you're losing, they're not there. You know, they're not there. Because, you know, now you're not, you're not a plus. You're not an asset no more. You know, when, like, yeah. you, you see that bankrupts? Hey, yeah. broke. Let's move He's on. Broke. He's you broke, man. Like, um, I think it was 50 Cent when he, he declared bankrupt. He, they asked him, but how are you bankrupt? Are you still making power? You're making this other TV show. He said, well, I'm bankrupt because the amount of money I'm making cannot sustain my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So now I'm broke because now, you know, I, I cannot pay my $1 million a month mortgage. And, yeah. and so that is what a lot of people understand. Being bankrupt and, and this level of, of athletes, it's not that you broke broke. It's right. that your life, you change, your life changed now, you know, it's like, you know, like, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not a LeBron wagon, um, uh, you know, but what he has been doing is being strategically correct to make his stock value go up. You know, he wasn't yes. playing, Cleveland's not winning, we got to find a way of making my stock more, more valuable, let me go to Miami. Mm -hmm. Miami, ah, we win three championships in Miami, or two championships in Miami, you know, now mm -hmm. my stock is hot because I got two yeah. rings on my finger. Now I go back to Cleveland. Fulfill Cleveland, the promise. Not, not, not fulfill what I promised back then, but now I'm up here. Now, you know, yes. I'm a stock. Mm -hmm. Now I am the product. I come here, I give you. Cleveland cannot fulfill again. You know, they got one ring. They cannot. So where are I going to go now? So the next place, they're going to give me more value. Let's go to the Lakers. Yep. You know, and, and, and at least it's like that, you know, you have to move yourself the right way to make sure that your asset never goes down. You know, yep. they don't understand, for example, in boxing, which is the sport that I know most, you know, you winning, right? And, and I remember one fighter, I don't want to mention his name, um, but he was a really Puerto Rican prominent fighter. He had a great knockout, you know, rate. And we were fighting for a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars a fight. You know, um, we are in, in two fights away from becoming world title challengers, and he gets knocked out. His next fight was only ten thousand mm. dollars. He has to win that one, then he come back to fifty. 
then come back up and, and come back again. So in boxing, when you get that L, it's not yeah. only your record getting shame, you know, blemish, also your stock gets blemished. You know, yeah. if, 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 and, and forget about it, if you get too many L's, if you get too many L's back to back, you're now a stepping stone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, I can just imagine what, like you said, that L does. Because I didn't think about it like that, the way you put it. Uh, L in, in boxing is different from taking the L on the court, on the field, on the baseball diamond. Um, even, in, even in tennis, uh, even in golf, you know, taking it. You're right. It is a different type of thing because that your record is right there next to your name every single time. It don't go. It doesn't go away. It doesn't reset. It doesn't go back to zero zero. I love the Jacksonville Jaguars. I will be a Jaguar for the rest of my life. One of the reasons why I'm still a Jaguar because every season gives new hope because we're zero and zero. Yep. But if we had to carry L's through the years, oh my God! Like it. Yeah. Like back, back, like I come from Miami. Like the Dolphins. I don't think there's a team worse than the Dolphins. You know, like <laughs> the other day, I was in a car and I was I was hearing um, what it was a radio station and they go like, oh, don't worry, the Jaguars lost X game against X team, but we're gonna play against the never winning Dolphins, so mm-hmm. we we're gonna guarantee a win. And I go, oh my god! And the got Miami, beat down. Who who got beat? The, the no, don't tell you. The Miami beat us down. No, for real. It was 31-13. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. My the Dolphins came here on Thursday night football and put up Ryan Fitzpatrick, aired it out, and they put a whooping on us 31 to 13. With Jack, let me tell you how bad the Jaguars are real quick, right now. We're so bad. We're the first team in NFL history to give three straight losing teams, teams that hadn't won zero games their first win. First time it's ever happened in the NFL. Hey, we break record. We we break we break records too, man. You know what I'm saying? That's great. That's great. I think it was only Miami because I remember when Miami had the perfect record of mm-hmm. not winning a game in the whole season. Uh, like, Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, big like, man. This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You go ahead. The boxing is like that, you know. It's 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 you know, like you just say, boxing. You carry that L next to your name. For the rest of your life, you know, when they introduce you in boxing, um, they go and say, you know, for example, Tyson Fury with, you know, 31 fights, 30 wins, several losses, one draw, and 21 knockouts, you know. But now imagine they say Tyson Fury with 32 fights, 30 wins, one loss, one draw, and 21 wins by knockout. So you got that one loss. Mm-hmm. And and realistically, I think there's not a lot of fighters. Like, Bernard Hopkins is one of those. His first fight was a loss. Bernard Hopkins came out of the jail. He fought and got an L. Damn. That guy went back and fought, and he has the record of the longest or oldest world champion. He, were, he was a world champion almost into 50 years old. Yeah. You know, so there is that Michael Jordan in boxing too, you know. Um, there's just there's people that that you know that L probably like 
Bernard Hopkins said, it was a motivation for him to not let it happen again. But yeah. at the same time, it was a blessing because he already had the taste of that L. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, man, for sure. But, man, dude, this has been awesome, man. You taught me more things about boxing. Um, I'll definitely get back into it on more. Uh, do you know any anything about uh, Wilder Fury 3? Because uh, from what I saw, it's slowed right now because, of, of course, because of the virus. But um, they don't haven't had – I haven't heard much about it since then. And I'm, I want to see three if they're going to fight. So there, there's their discussion that there will be a three, but there's also discussion that Mike Wilder fight Joshua. Mm -hmm. uh, there's another guy in the heavyweight division. Um, they're also pushing around a lot to, to fight. Um, they might be a three, but it will be after one or two fights for Wilder and one or two fights for – um, Tyson Fury, because most likely Tyson Fury wants to get um, that belt that um, Joshua has. Okay, okay, yeah, I, I can't, okay. I can't wait. On Saturday, gonna be an amazing fight on ESPN. It's free. Go and check it. Sit down. You're gonna see the fighter, the knockout artist against the stylist fighter. Um, will be a, a, I think it will be a, a chess game for the stylist fighter because he's fighting a guy that is more powerful than him, and he has to be smart on his, on his boxing style. If you want to, you know, jump in and, and see some great fight, Saturday, ESPN, not to miss. Okay, who, who's fighting? So it will be um, Vasil Lomachenko. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard of Machenko. And, and Teofimo Lopez. So Lomachenko, Lopez. Um, he currently has a record of, 14 wins, one loss. Um, 10 of uh, those wins has been by knockout. The fight is going to be at 135 pounds, which is a hot division in any time. Yes. Then you got Teofimo Lopez. Teofimo Lopez. Um, Teofimo Lopez, he is right now 15 wins and zero losses, and he has about 12 knockouts. Um, but he's a knockout artist. He, this guy has gone into – it was a fight. The fight he was, the fight he was going to fight got hurt and couldn't make weight correctly. And he asked the guy, what weight class you want to fight? He said, I could do 155. This guy's a 130, 30, 135. And he go, all right, let's do it. And he went ahead, fought a 155, and knocked out this guy out. Um, and, and both of them, the funny part of them is that whoever wins – it's going to do a backflip in the rain because both of them, every time they win, they do backflips. So yeah. it, it's going to be an interesting fight. Um, I invite you to go and see it. And if you want, you can text me after to discuss your, yeah. your point of views and, and what you thought about the fight. Oh, definitely, man. I'll definitely check it out because um, I, I got to watch Bama versus Georgia because yeah, I love love Alabama. So I'm, I'm definitely I'm, I'm going to go to my um, bar and I know they have everything is going to be up. So I'll be able to kind of, you know, watch both of them, man. And more, more that is uh, it's free, so it's going to be an ESPN. So, you know, definitely they're going to go ahead and, and put both fights, you know. Yeah, put them up. The fights and the game together. Yeah, man. Man, but I appreciate you coming on to give me um, a chunk of your time, man. Uh, hey, uh, let people know uh, if you want to follow you on social media, um, your organization, anything about that. Um, just let the people know. Oh, you want to follow us? You can go to every social media and Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, free agent boxing. And then 
Instagram is free agent box. Uh, okay. Followers and, you know, right now, same as the basketball NBA is the bubble. You know, everybody's fighting with no, no crowd on it. Uh, right now we are a little bit slow. We just finished up the Muhammad Ali World Boxing Super Series. Um, so into, you know, further notice, just keep up looking up and we will come up hopefully bringing boxing at least one show to Jacksonville. Man, I would love, I've never been to a boxing match and um, I would definitely love to go, man. For sure, man. That was my goal for 2020. Uh, we did, uh, we took a show to Orlando. We took two to uh, Louisiana, New Orleans and Lafayette. Uh, my hope was to bring one here to Jacksonville, but with COVID, we couldn't. Um, but I'm thinking about doing a small show, no TV, you know, split amateurs with professionals um, and see how, how people like it. Yeah, yeah, man. I think I think you'll get should get a good crowd for that, man. Because there's a lot of guys who talk boxing, and um, there's a lot of interest in boxing. You can go to any uh, barber shop, um, you know, uh, somewhere where men are gathered, and just bring up a random popular boxer and let the debate begin. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So the interest is here in Jacksonville for sure, man. But man, I appreciate it. Um, Hey, hey guys, remember to like, share, subscribe, follow me on Twitter, follow me on Instagram, uh, subscribe to the YouTube. Um, you know, I hey, got more of these pumping out, man. So I got a few more interviews coming up in the future. Man, hey, we're trying to get it, man, for sure. But I appreciate you, Jose, man. Hey, but next time, man, I'll talk to you guys later, dude. Peace out.